Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Yay Networks. I'm Molly Kimball. Welcome to Fueled, a wellness and nutrition podcast. I'm a registered dietitian and nutrition journalist with a passion to help people live their strongest, healthiest life possible. In my weekly TV segments and columns, there's a limited amount of time and space to cover everything, but there's so much more to share. This podcast is my opportunity to dive deeper into the topics you want to know about. In this week's episode of Fueled Wellness and Nutrition, we're talking about those foods that are overhyped. They get more press, more airtime than they deserve. They're marketed to us as miracle foods, superfoods, you name it. So we're going to talk about five of those that get more hype than they deserve, plus five under the radar foods or ingredients that we can start adding to our diets now. So we see it all the time. A certain food or ingredient or even just concept will just catch fire. It's all over social. It's featured on magazine covers. It's passed along by word of mouth with our friends, our family, or the workout people at our gym or our local studio. And this moment of fame for these foods, it can sometimes come and go pretty quickly, but there are also those foods that continue to receive more than their fair share of glory for what seems to be forever into perpetuity. So this podcast, it's not about saying that these foods are bad. That's not it at all. So these are five foods that I think just don't live up to the hype of being this perfect food, this superfood, or any other best of category. And quite frankly, few foods do. So these foods that we're talking about that are overhyped, in my opinion, they, in some cases, may provide essential nutrients, but they're not the best source. Or, yeah, they provide those essential nutrients, but those benefits may be offset by excess calories or carbs, refined carbs, sugars. So so here's a look at five foods and ingredients that, in my opinion, have been given too much hype. And we'll also talk about five less glamorous options that are actually well worth adding to your plate. So for starters, coconut sugar. Now we're going to say coconut sugar, but we could also layer in maple syrup. If you or using agave, you can throw in agave or honey into this category too. But coconut sugar, or even better, something like raw organic coconut sugar, it just sounds so much better than using regular table sugar. And, and for some reasons, it is. Um, it's it's natural. It's uh, less processed. It's not bleached like regular refined table sugar or sucrose. And the same goes for maple syrup and agave. So. These are touted as natural sweeteners with a lower glycemic index than sugar. And this is true. These sweeteners, coconut sugar, maple syrup, agave, they do have less of a spike or crash in blood sugar insulin levels. So while all that is true, they are less processed, they're less refined, they do have a slightly lower glycemic index, they are still just 100% sugar and added sugar at that. So we know that added sugars are inflammatory. 
they're also detrimental to our gut microbiome. And I did a podcast a few weeks ago with Dr. Tim Spector. He is a professor of genetic epidemiology in the UK, and he's one of the world's leading experts in gut microbiome research. So I'll link to the podcast I did with him. Fascinating. He has so much insight, so much research that he's done. And one of the things that we talked about is how our gut microbes see these sugars. So I asked them, well, what about coconut sugar, maple syrup? You know, these that are, again, a lot of times in kind of that clean eating world, these are promoted as better. But his response was, no, our gut microbiome sees them the same as sugar as nonsense, as he referred to it. So again, I'll link to my full interview with him so you can hear this, this incredible research that he has on microbes, our genetics, our diet, and how they're all connected. So when we're talking about added sugars, how much is too much? My recommendation is to keep added sugars, including these that we're talking about, the raw organic coconut sugar, the agave, the maple syrup, keeping these added sugars as well as just table sugar, honey, corn syrup, high fructose corn syrup, keeping all of these added sugars as close to zero as possible. Now, our Oxner Eat Fit criteria, we allow up to five grams of added sugar in a serving of most dishes. And five grams of added sugar is the equivalent of about one teaspoon. So we allow that to give our chefs, our restaurants flexibility. So a lot of times what they'll end up doing is a blend of a plant-based natural, no calorie sweetener, and then a little bit of sugar if they need it to caramelize better or whatever it might be. And the American Heart Association recommends that we limit these added sugars to not more than 25 grams daily for women and 37 grams daily for men. Again, raw coconut sugar, maple syrup, agave, honey, molasses, these are all here alongside high fructose corn syrup and regular table sugar. So American Heart Association for women is saying 25 grams a day. That's about 100 calories from added sugar, 25 grams a day. Our Eat Fit criteria allows up to five grams added sugar per serving of a dish, if it's an entree or a dessert or whatever it might be. And what I would recommend is as you're looking at labels, those foods that we have control over purchasing, try to keep it as close to zero as possible. That's not to say we're going to keep it as close to zero um, in our entire intake over the course of like our, our days and our weeks. But when we're purchasing foods and we do look for options that are nourishing, that are wholesome, that don't contain added sugars, then when we do get a little bit, when we're dining out or we're having those like special treats or we're things that aren't necessarily all foods that we're purchasing and we know exactly what's in it, we're still able to keep it under that daily upper limit easily, more easily of that 25 grams a day for women when we're buying things that specifically we're making choices to really limit that added sugar and the foods we have control over. So I hope that makes sense. So my recommendation is to try to keep it as close to zero as possible because ultimately that's going to at least help us keep it under maybe 15, 20 grams a day when we're kind of having, um, enjoying our normal life. And we're going to a friend's house, we're eating foods that we that may have added sugars or restaurants or things that we don't know just what's in it. So when we're in control of it, trying to read those labels and look for these ingredients that are still added sugars. So here's a little bit about the numbers. So compared to regular table sugar, which is sucrose, there's 45 calories, 12 grams of sugar in every tablespoon. Coconut sugar, same calories, 45 calories, and about 10 grams of added sugar. So just about the same as regular table sugar. 
Maple syrup is even higher. Every tablespoon is about 14 grams of added sugar. And for comparison, honey, a tablespoon has about 17 grams of added sugar. Agave has about 16 added sugar. So here's the deal. If you're using just a teaspoon here and there, like my husband, actually, he uses a teaspoon of honey in his coffee. He enjoys that. That's what he's put in his coffee for years. So he puts a teaspoon of, of honey in his coffee. That's nothing. You know, it's really a non-issue. So if you're putting a teaspoon here and there and whatever it is you're having, um, sort of like the criteria I was talking about with our auctioneer Eat Fit, that teaspoon, five grams added sugar here and there, then we're, if we're using those sweeteners like the raw coconut sugar, maple syrup, um, honey, agave, then it's really a non-issue. But if you're using larger amounts of these sweeteners on a more regular basis, a more substantial basis, then my preference is to start incorporating more of the plant-based, 100% natural sweeteners that are on the market that have zero calories and less than like a gram of sugar per tablespoon. So you've heard me talk about Swerve before. It's erythritol-based. There's also a natural plant-based sweetener called allulose. And there's also monk fruit. And I always say like monk fruit got like the really sweet deal when it came to naming the sweetener. Erythritol sounds weird to people, but it is still a natural plant-based sweetener. So you'll see it sometimes as erythritol. You can see it in Swerve. There's also Iolos. Um, Wholesome Sweeteners is a brand that offers an Iolos syrup. It's sort of like a simple syrup or almost like a little bit of a milder honey. And Lakanto has a monk fruit sweetened maple style syrup. And I've covered these in depth in a bunch of podcasts in the past, but I'm going to link to one of the more recent ones um, with Dr. Daryl Holiday. He's an associate professor of food science at the University of Holy Cross here in New Orleans. And we talked a lot about the food industry's move away from added sugar and how these plant-based sweeteners are playing a role. So we really kind of dive more into those. So when we look at overhyped food, <laughs> coconut sugar, and you'll see it as raw, organic coconut sugar. It makes us feel so much better about using it. And it is better. It's less refined. It is slightly lower glycemic, but it is still added sugar. So organic, raw coconut sugar. We could also put into that same category maple syrup, agave, honey. That's category one. So we spent a lot of time on that. The others aren't going to be as long, but I felt like we really needed to drill into that because there's a lot of confusion around sugars. And that is incredibly overhyped of being a better for you option, but it is still added sugar. So moving on to our second one, our second overhyped food is cassava flour. It may not sound familiar, but you've probably seen cassava flour on the label of products like grain-free chips, tortillas, crackers. Cassava flour is made from the whole cassava root. It's also referred to as yuca. It is a starchy root vegetable. It's been peeled, dried, and ground into the flour. And it is grain-free, gluten-free, and nut-free but that doesn't necessarily make it nutritious. It's fine, but when it comes to nutrition and what we're putting into our bodies and what we're choosing to, to incorporate on that regular basis, we want something that's more than just fine. And when we look at a comparison of the different types of flours and we look at you know, what's the calories, the carbs, the fiber, um, even protein, because the flowers do provide, some flowers do provide a decent bit of protein in there. When we look at how does this all compare of fiber, carbs, protein, et cetera, cassava flour, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say all these, this is for a quarter cup of flour. That's kind of just a, a standard nutrition measurement, a quarter cup. A lot of times we're using a lot more in a recipe, but less ends up 
per serving. So for a quarter cup of flour, cassava flour has about 31 grams of carbs and just two grams of fiber. White flour, like white all-purpose flour, has 24 grams of carb, so it's a little less. So cassava flour, starchier, denser with carbohydrates, and white flour has one gram of fiber. So 24 grams of carbs and one gram of fiber for white flour. Cassava flour, 31 grams of carbs and just two grams of fiber. It's really not that great. It's really just a starchy, um, refined, starchy, processed flour that is really not fiber rich. It doesn't have, it has zero protein. So my preferred flour is almond flour. It has twice as much fiber and it has six times the protein of cassava flour. I also like coconut flour. It's five times the fiber and six times more protein than cassava flour. And both of those, almond flour and coconut flour, both of these are richer in plant-based fats than the cassava flour. So again, like we said at the top of this, these foods aren't bad. We're not saying that these are bad, but are they superfoods? Do they deserve the hype that they're getting? When we see cassava chips or we see cassava tortillas and they're branded as gluten-free, grain-free, we make the assumption that cassava must be a really nutritious food and it isn't. So you can think of it sort of like um, tapioca flour, tapioca starch, or potato starch. It's it's not unlike those. So if you see it in a food, it's not bad, but definitely don't reach for something thinking that it's healthier because it's made with cassava flour. So first up, we had our, our coconut sugar or any of those other types of, of sweeteners, maple syrup, etc. Second, we've got cassava flour. Third, bananas. I was talking about those that have been around for decades and they just continue to get so much glory. And bananas are that for potassium. So potassium rich diet, it is linked to lower blood pressure. It's linked to a reduced risk of stroke. It is commonly added for helping with muscle cramping. And when most people think about, okay, how do I get more potassium into my diet? The banana is usually the first food that comes to mind. And yes, they're high in potassium. There's about 450 to 500 milligrams of potassium per regular size banana, but they're not necessarily the best source of potassium. So that 450-ish milligrams of potassium for a banana, a cup of cantaloupe has 473, let's say 470 milligrams of potassium for half the calories of banana. So if you're eating cantaloupe and you're eating a cup of it, you're getting about half the calories that you get in a banana with the same amount of potassium. Something like spinach, a cup of cooked spinach or a grilled portobello mushroom, these have more potassium than a banana. So a cup of cooked spinach has about 840 milligrams of potassium. That grilled portobello mushroom has about 630 and these have a fraction of the calories of banana and almost zero sugar. There's also foods that are protein rich that people don't realize are high in potassium. They're sort of like the lesser known kind of definitely under the radar sources of potassium. So things like fish and scallops and pork loin, these provide like 450 to 550 milligrams of potassium in every six ounce serving. 
And of course, they're giving us that, that lean protein. Greek yogurt is also something that gives us that 20 grams of protein in a cup with an additional about 350 milligrams of potassium. So bananas, yes, they're high in potassium. But if you're looking for potassium, don't automatically think bananas. You can do mushrooms, spinach, Greek yogurt. If you're doing these protein-rich foods, your fish, your scallops, your pork loin, all of these things are going to give us that really good source of potassium without as much sugar, even though it might be natural sugar. And then a lot of times the more the benefit of more protein. Let's take a minute to talk about Headspace, one of our sponsors for this week's episode. So you may have tried meditation before and it just didn't go so well, or maybe you felt like you were doing it wrong. So if enhancing your mental well-being is part of your self-care plan, then you'll want to check out Headspace. Headspace is your daily dose of mindfulness in the form of guided meditations in an easy-to-use app. It is one of the only meditation apps advancing the field of mindfulness and meditation through clinically validated research. I love that Headspace is so customizable for whatever we're dealing with right now. Whatever the situation, Headspace really can help you feel better. If you're overwhelmed, Headspace has a three-minute SOS meditation for you. If you need help falling asleep, they have wind-down sessions their members swear by. And for parents, Headspace even has morning meditations that you can do with your kids. Headspace's approach to mindfulness can help to reduce stress, improve sleep, boost focus, and increase our overall sense of well-being on our schedule, anytime, anywhere. We all deserve to feel as happy as possible, and Headspace is meditation made simple. Go to headspace.com fueled. That's headspace.com slash fueled for a free one month trial with access to Headspace's full library of meditations for every situation. This is their best deal offered right now. Head to headspace.com slash fueled today. All right. So fourth up is quinoa. This is one that has been really pushed as a super grain for years. And you know, when we meet with restaurants with our Eat Fit team, a lot of times, like the first thing the chef is like, okay, well, I can make something with quinoa because that's their perception of like, if I, if I want to make something nutritious for Eat Fit to put on my menu, then it's got to be quinoa. <laughs> it's kind of like where their minds go first, because it's just got so much press around it. It is, you know, promoted as being high in protein, high in fiber, high in iron. It's the super grain. So, Yes, if we compare quinoa to something like white rice, yeah, it's higher in these nutrients. It is better than something like white rice, which has really low protein, low fiber, low iron. But along with the eight grams of protein that it provides, and eight's about what you would get in an egg. A, a typical egg has about seven grams of protein. So a cup of quinoa has just eight grams of protein. It's what you get in one egg, but it's got nearly 220 calories and 40 grams of carbs. Now it does have five grams of fiber, 15% of our daily dose of iron, but let's compare it to black beans. Black beans have about the same calories as quinoa, but they have double the protein and three times the fiber of quinoa and about 30% more iron. So beans of all types, I said black beans, but you could really extrapolate that to other types of beans, are gonna have about double the protein, three times the fiber, and 30% more iron than quinoa. And something like spinach, 
just spinach alone has more than twice as much iron as quinoa for a fraction of the calories. So we talked about Greek yogurt earlier. Something like that's going to give us a lot of protein. Um, our, our fish are, and there's so many other plant-based sources of protein now. Um, if you've tried Beyond Burger or any of these, are going to give us 20 plus grams of protein, far better ratio of protein to carbs or protein to calories than what quinoa has. So if someone's really not concerned about their, their carbs or how calorie dense a food is, Quinoa is fine, especially for people who are looking to get more calories, more carbs. They really want to nourish their bodies with these. Then, yes, absolutely, let's let's incorporate quinoa as a grain, as a starch option. But what I see sometimes is that someone takes that protein off of their plate. They were having, you know, uh, fish or other type of lean protein or something like a plant-based protein that was a great source of protein, like the Beyond Burger we were talking about. And they're removing that and they're having quinoa instead. Well, you didn't really make an even swap for protein there. You got rid of a really good source of protein and you replaced it with a really good source of carbs. And I see that also with vegetables. You know, I would see clients would have, instead of at dinner, they would have like their piece of lean protein and all their vegetables. Well, they're replacing the vegetables with the quinoa. That becomes their side dish in place of the vegetables. It's fine if you're looking for more calories and you're trying to get a food that's more dense in carbohydrates, but a lot of people aren't. A lot of people are looking for the reverse of that. How can I stay, you know, choose foods that will keep me more full with more volume, but lower carbs, lower calories. And in that case, of course, vegetables are going to win for that side dish that we're looking at. So again, quinoa is not a bad food, but it is not quite the superfood that it is really hyped up to be. And then finally, let's talk about oats. So years, decades, when someone gets diagnosed with high cholesterol, the first thing I hear them say almost every single time is I'm starting to eat oatmeal. And like the first thing they hear is like, okay, I've got high cholesterol. I'm going to start eating oats. And that is the first nutritional change that most people make when diagnosed. And yes, it's true that oats contain soluble fiber. Soluble fiber can help to lower these, quote, bad LDL cholesterol levels. And the National Institute of Health recommends about 10 to 25 grams daily. So soluble fiber, 10 to 25 grams daily to reduce our LDL levels. So to put that in perspective, a cup of cooked oatmeal, a cup, has just two grams of soluble fiber. National Institute of Health is saying 10 to 25 a day, a cup of oatmeal, cooked oatmeal, two grams. So if we're relying on just oatmeal, it would take like five plus bowls of oats to even meet that minimum recommendation to lower our LDL. So our better bets when it comes to foods high in soluble fiber, beans we talked about earlier, like black beans, red beans, et cetera, they give us about six, seven grams of soluble fiber in every cup. There's a cereal that I like better. Oh, I didn't mention this. Cheerios have like one gram of soluble fiber per serving. So you'd have to eat like 10 bowls of Cheerios. So Nature's Path is a brand of cereal. They have um, Nature's Path Organic Smart brand that has about three grams of soluble fiber in every half cup serving. So it's more concentrated there. Um, And then 
ground psyllium. You'll see this. You can buy it in powdered form, blend it into smoothies. You can take it in capsule form. But psyllium, is, and it's spelled P-S-Y-L-L-I-U-M. Psyllium is one of the top sources of soluble fiber. There's six grams of soluble fiber in every tablespoon. Let's pause for a moment to talk about Team 8, one of our sponsors for this week's episode. Personal training is one of the top ways for people to get in shape and hit their fitness goals. For many people, though, there can be barriers to having your own personal trainer, especially when you're working around such a busy schedule. Team 8 Fitness is here to help solve those problems, providing you with your very own personal trainer through virtual service that allows you to work out anywhere wherever and whenever it is most convenient for you. And as any good trainer does, your Team 8 trainer listens to your goals and creates a custom workout to get the results you want. Manage your workouts, talk with your trainer, and track all of your progress directly through your phone or computer. Take control of your fitness goals today with your virtual personal trainer. Get 50% off your first month when you use the code FUELED at checkout. Go to Team 8 Fitness to sign up. That's team, the number 8, fitness.com. Use promo code FUELED at checkout to get 50% off your first month. Team 8 Fitness, online training made personal. So now for five foods or ingredients that really often just don't get enough press. So if you've read my articles in the past or you've listened to this podcast much, you're probably expecting me to say products like collagen, apple cider vinegar, fresh pressed vegetable juices to say that these top this list. I have covered these a lot. I'm a huge fan of these foods and I've covered these in depth in a variety of ways. But here's the thing, those foods that we just talked about, they actually do get plenty of time in the spotlight. So instead, I'm looking at five more humble foods that are often overlooked, things that we could benefit from adding a bit more into our diets. And one that I know will resonate with our New Orleans and our South Louisiana listeners here is red beans. So red beans are also among the top plant-based sources of protein. And as we mentioned earlier, ounce for ounce, they have a really high concentration of antioxidants, more than what you would get in the same amount of blackberries or raspberries or blueberries or almonds. So for maximal benefits, try red beans without rice. If that seems like really a challenge, try cauliflower rice. Um, you of course can do red beans and brown rice, but I would really try just red beans without rice or red beans with cauliflower rice, or don't even do it in the traditional way that you would have like red beans and rice. Add red beans to salads or soups or slow cooker dishes to add all of these things we just talked about, antioxidants, fiber, protein. Another that is kind of a local favorite here um, is pecans. Almonds and walnuts, they tend to get most of the attention, but pecans, sort of what similar to red beans, like we were talking about what is their total antioxidant content. Pecans actually have the highest total antioxidant content of all of the different types of nuts. So try incorporating them into your usual rotation. A lot of times we get in the routine, we get in the habit, okay, I'm going to have almonds are my thing or macadamia nuts or whatever it is, walnuts, because they're high in omega-3s. They're all good. All different types of nuts and seeds are good, but try adding pecans into that rotation, whether it's into your salads or Greek yogurt or whatever it might be. You can even blend them into protein drinks or anything like that, but adding pecans to get that extra dose of antioxidants that's above and beyond other types of nuts. 
So our third often overlooked food for its nutritional content is one of my favorites. I love it braised. I love it raw. I love it shredded. And it is red cabbage. So red cabbage compared to green cabbage has about five times the antioxidant content. So if you're one that you are cooking greens a lot, you're cooking leafy greens, you're cooking green cabbage a lot, try adding, incorporating red cabbage into that rotation because that deep red color actually represents the antioxidant content that it contains. It's anthocyanin. And so this is the same class, the same family of antioxidants that we find in blueberries, blackberries, cranberries. That's what's in red cabbage. These anthocyanins, these antioxidants, they also seem to have a potent anti-inflammatory effect. And they can be helpful in things like helping with our blood pressure or even improving our vision. So adding that braised red cabbage is my favorite. You can try it if you're making slaw, if you're adding it in salads. There's so many ways you can add it. It just kind of adds filler and crunch. It's not a really strong taste either, not not a strong flavor. So red cabbage is one of those that I think we just overlook it. We often don't even think about incorporating that. So I would say start putting a little bit more of that into our diets. And staying in the family of reds, We'll talk watermelon. That's number four. So tomatoes, we think about lycopene. They're rich in lycopene. It's a cancer-fighting antioxidant. But ounce for ounce, watermelon can have as much as 40% more of this cancer-fighting lycopene than tomatoes. But here's what really sets watermelon apart from tomatoes. So it can have more high, a higher concentration of this antioxidant called lycopene. But tomatoes actually need to be cooked in order for us to maximize the absorption of lycopene from tomatoes. So cooked tomatoes is best, but we can still reap the same benefits from raw watermelon, just as you would normally eat it. So here's the thing about watermelon. It's classed as high glycemic, meaning that its sugar can spike our blood sugar levels faster than, say, like an apple or a pear. But glycemic index is based on consuming the carbohydrates of a specific food, only that food with nothing else, and about 50 grams of carbohydrate at a time. Watermelon has only about 11 grams of carbs per cup. That's compared to about 27 grams of carbs and a cup of grapes. So watermelon has so much water in it that a cup of watermelon cubes is just about 11 grams of carbs. So we would have to eat like five cups of watermelon with nothing else with it, no other type of protein or fat, in order to experience that um, the effects of that high glycemic response. So I would not be fearful of watermelon for its sugar content. It is about 90% water, so it's also actually hydrating. So, so far, these foods that don't get enough press, we've got red beans, we've got pecans, red cabbage, watermelon, perfect for summertime here. And then finally, eggs. This is one that people get like really bent out of shape. Like what's the deal with science? For a long time, eggs are bad. Now eggs are okay. Do I use egg whites only? Should Is it okay to have egg yolks? What's the deal? Here's the deal. Don't toss the yolks. Egg yolks are one of the top sources of choline. Choline is a nutrient that is essential for our healthy cell membranes, also healthy brain function. Choline also, that choline in egg yolks also plays a critical role in how we metabolize fats. So that yolk of the egg, it's a good source of vitamin B12. 
It's a good source of lutein and zeaxanthin. These are antioxidants that are linked to eye health, a reduction in risk for age-related macular degeneration. So all kinds of good stuff in egg yolks. So also, eggs are relatively low in animal saturated fats. So just about one and a half grams of saturated fat in a normal size egg it's actually less than what's in one tablespoon of olive oil. And we know that saturated fats play more of a role in elevating our cholesterol levels that cholesterol in a food, so for example, the cholesterol in an egg, has really a negligible effect on our cholesterol levels. So don't be afraid of the yolk. For most people, if you added an egg a day with that yolk a day, that's fine. If you're doing multiples, and especially if you maybe have, um, you're at risk for hyperlipidemia, high cholesterol, you may choose instead of three whole eggs, I would say, yeah, go ahead and do two egg whites, one whole egg. But very rarely is there a case that I would recommend to someone to do only egg whites. I would say let's always include at least one yolk. If you want to beef up the volume, go ahead and add more egg whites. But I am completely fine with most people incorporating that one egg a day. So when we're looking at these overhyped foods, I would say coconut sugar, and we'll see it as that raw organic coconut sugar. We can throw maple syrup, agave, honey into this category, but coconut sugar, cassava flour, bananas, quinoa, and oats. These are five that I would say, yeah, they're not bad. They're fine, but fine isn't good enough to really incorporate and really strive to incorporate more of into our diets. If we get them, they're fine, but they're not things that I would say we've really got to look to push to get more of. And those that just don't quite get enough press, red beans, pecans, red cabbage, things like watermelon, and then eggs. And again, those eggs don't toss the yolks. There's so much goodness in there. So that's just a snapshot. There are so many more foods that are overhyped. Let me know what you think those are. I love to hear that. And I know there's more than I'm missing. And we can do another version of this podcast of foods that are overhyped, foods that are underhyped, that just don't get enough press. They stay under the radar, but you think they need to be shouted from the rooftops. Let me know. I'll include some of the links that I talked about in the show notes of this episode. And I am registered dietitian Molly Kimball, and you've been listening to Fueled Wellness and Nutrition, the podcast. If you would like more Fueled Wellness and Nutrition, please head over to mollykimball.com. And you can follow me, Molly Kimball RD, on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And if you haven't yet, please go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join us next week for another dose of Fueled Wellness and Nutrition. Thanks for listening and stay focused on living your strongest, healthiest life. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.